this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you got a Bible, go with me to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Now, we're going to talk about some things this morning that I believe will impact you called servanthood today. And when it comes to servanthood, I can't ever think I'm, I'm too good to serve. I'm too important to serve. And in life, the real test of humility is to regard others as, as prized. How do I look at other people? And so you're going to see a couple things here this morning. Number one, what it means to, to be a servant for Jesus. But number two, guys, it's all about people. It's all about people. When we take people out of the equation, things aren't good. We've got to just keep ministering and looking to people to, to help them to see the kingdom of God come to life in them. And maybe you're here today and you have family members that don't know the Lord. Don't give up on them, okay? Don't, don't quit praying. Keep standing on the word for them, amen? All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, that word perilous has a lot of different meanings, uh, dangerous times difficult times, hard times. Uh, One translation says, difficult to be a Christian. These are the the, the signs of the end times. It also means that, that a society that's barren of virtue, a society that quits fearing God. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a, in a certain city that you go into and you find out real quick, Man, this, this city, they, they don't honor God. There's no fear of God. I'm going to tell you, it begins to describe what's going to start happening in the last days more and more. And guys, I've been some places in the last few days that i got to witness this firsthand, okay? Look at verse 5, and then I'm going to jump back to verse uh, 2. Verse 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And so right there it's talking about that it's very easy for us as people to profess Christianity, but we deny the power. One translation says right there that we become very loose in our morals. Now one thing that's amazing to society is to see people confess Jesus as Lord out of their mouth, but deny Him with their lifestyle. Now, this is what this is talking about. And look how verse 5 ends. And from such people turn away. So a lot of times, guys, I believe our greatest witness isn't so much about what we say, but it's about what we do. That people watch what you do. And you know, the last few weeks I was, I was around some family members that have no reference of God in their life at all. And so it wasn't necessarily about me witnessing, telling them about Jesus. It was more of them watching my behaviors and my actions. Now, when you get around people that don't have a lot of of godliness in their life, it's a big deal for them to go into a restaurant with you and you look and say, do you mind if I bless the food? I mean, you'll see people literally get nervous. 
Well, guys, wherever I'm at, I don't care if I'm in Lubbock, Texas. I don't care if I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm going to bless my food when I go and eat. I don't care what. And you know what? If it offended them, they didn't have to bow their head. But you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say, I give thanks to him, okay? And so a lot of times, it's just your little actions and behaviors that you do or don't do that get people's attention. Look, look into verse 2 there. 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. And this is some signs of the end times. And I'm just going to read one of them here. For men will be lovers of themselves. You know what that means? Will be self-centered. Will be selfish. Where it comes to this, guys, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. Now, I encourage you, you read two, verses 2, 3, and 4 on your own time. And you look at these in these verses and you'll find out. It looks very similar to some of the things that are going around in our nations and our city right now, okay? But the, the main point today, as I want you to see, is he's warning us, don't live self-centered. Now, with this warning right here, I believe he's telling us, this is going to become the flow of society. This is how people are going to get more and more and more. So the opposite of being self-centered would be to be a servant. Now, Jesus himself said in Matthew 20, 28, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. This is big that we get this. And when we talk about servanthood, servanthood is always about other people. Preferring other people above myself. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, and this is where we're going to spend most of the rest of the morning at. In Luke 5. As you're turning there, you know, it's interesting to me that when you were, uh, read the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son came back, he said this, he said, make me into a servant. Make me a servant. He didn't say, make me a Catholic or a Baptist. Make me a Lutheran. He didn't say, make me a prophet or a priest. He said, make me a servant. I believe that's the calling of, of every one of us in this room right here is this. Let's read starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And so it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear him, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake, again it's our ark, and, two, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and who all were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, when I read this here, the, the last verse tells me that they were called to discipleship. 
They weren't called just to be saved, and I'm not downplaying salvation. Salvation is the beginning point for every one of us as a Christian. But there's more to, sa- more to it than just salvation, okay? And Jesus says to Simon right here, I'm calling you to discipleship. Now, every one of us in here that are Christians, we're called to discipleship. Each one of us. And we really need to know what Jesus said to here. He said, I'm going to call you to be fishers of men. Now, the difference here between a believer and a disciple is, a believer has entered the kingdom of God. The disciple is saying, I'm going to help build the kingdom of God. And that's what me and you are told to do as believers, okay? You know, years ago, and some of you may remember this, there was a man named Andre Crouch, and his band or his group was called Andre Crouch and the Disciples. He sang a song that said, Millions didn't make it, but I was one of the ones who did. Now, that brings great joy to me to think, I'm one of the ones who made it. I'm going to make it into heaven to eternity. But it doesn't give me great joy to think millions didn't make it. That doesn't bring great joy to me. And so I, I pray this over you that I've asked the Lord to move in my heart that it bothers me for people to go to hell. When I look of people that are sinners, all they know to do is sin, it bothers me. And I was around relatives last week, guys, that had no thought of God. Their whole thought in life is to go to work and then it's, it's centered around things. Motorcycles and boats. and all, But is there something wrong with that? No. But something happens when there's no God in people's lives. And so I, I don't take great joy in looking at Muslims that are going to hell. I don't take great joy on looking at the Buddhists that are going to hell. When I look at other people, I realize God loves them. And I I don't say this to offend anyone. I was out in Salt Lake City, and I was around the Mormon religion. Man, I got grieved, guys. I got, I mean, so grieved that I was down at what they called the Temple Square, and I literally had to tell Shelly, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I don't say that to bash the Mormon guys, okay? I have a heart when I look at them because there in Deuteronomy it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. And the only way to the Father is through the Son, through the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, guys, wasn't just a prophet. Jesus is the Son of God and He's the Lord and Savior, okay? And any religion that does not confess Him as Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you they're going to be eternally damned. And some of you saying, I don't believe that. Well, let's just be biblical and read our Bible, okay? Let's become disciples of Christ. So it's good for me at times to get around the world. It's good for me to get around people that don't know Jesus. So I'm in Salt Lake City a, a couple days around all that junk. Man, I just said, Lord, put in my heart a heart for people. On my way home, my flight took me from uh, Salt Lake City, and I had a layover in Las Vegas. Is something wrong with Las Vegas? Well, there's just, just a lot of death there, guys. I mean, I looked at the people in the terminal I was in. They were either severely depressed because they lost a lot of money or they were severely hungover. 
And I looked, man, I'd watch people walk by. And when you look into people's eyes, a lot of times, you know what you see? They're alive physically, but they're dead on the inside. There's no thought of that. And so right here when I read this, this began to stir me up. Now, this may be like you. I've read this passage hundreds of times. Stuff started jumping out in here two weeks ago to me. And man, I sense the Lord saying, share on that. So let's begin Luke 5, verse 1, and let's look at this a little farther. And as we're going here today, are you using God's given talents to build His kingdom? The first thing, and I'm going to give you four points this morning. This may surprise you that I'm doing this. Four signs of true discipleship. Number one is this. Will you do something? Will you do something for the kingdom of God? Verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake or the Sea of Galilee where that's at. Now, get the picture of this, guys. The longer that Jesus is preaching, the bigger the crowd gets. And before long, it gets so big that they're pressing against Jesus. Verse 2. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats. Now, I'm going to stop right there. The reason Jesus gets in the boat is because the crowd is all over him. They're pressing against him. And so he thinks, man, I've got to get away from them just so I can teach them. So he crawls into this boat, now look what happens in verse 3, which was Simon's, and he asked him, he asked Simon to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when we read this earlier, in verse 5 it said that, that Peter told Jesus, we've toiled all night. That word toil means they've worked or they've labored all night. So just think here just a little bit about this guy named Peter. He's tired physically. He's hungry. He's not real happy because they've caught no fish. And so Jesus right here in verse 3, he asked him to do something. Look what he said. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. So you know what that tells me? He's telling Peter, would you row for me a little bit? Would you row? Now think about this, guys. In those days, they didn't have a Johnson outboard motor where he took off. Okay? He was literally telling him, will you row for me? And on top of that, in order to keep the boat out there, you know he had to get his anchor out and everything and throw it out so the tide wouldn't push him back in. Now, this is how I think as a human being, and I believe this, this could have been Peter's thought too. It would have been real easy for Peter to look at him and say, Listen, pal, if you want to use my boat, it's okay. I'll let you use my boat. But if you want to row, row yourself. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I hadn't had a real good day today. Business has been horrible. Could have this have happened? Yeah, I, I believe it could have happened. And so read the rest of verse 3. And so he asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So the questions that start jumping to me, was Jesus aware of what type of day Peter had? I think he was fully aware. He knew that he hadn't had a real good day. But yet this is what I believe was going on right here. I believe Jesus was testing Peter. 
And you know what the test was? A thing called servanthood. Will you serve me so that I can preach the kingdom of God? Now, it could have been very easy for Peter to respond this way. You know, Jesus, you do whatever you need to do. But this stuff called rowing, I'm not called to row. That's not my calling. Now, if you know back in verse 3, Jesus didn't say, Hey, Pete, are you called to row? He didn't say that. He just asked him, Will you do it? So you know what the test was right here? Will you serve me whenever and wherever? Will you serve me? Now, Peter didn't have to, guys, just like me and you. And this is the the question today, even within the church right here. Will you serve me? Now, this is a fact, guys. It's been proven over and over that some of the greatest growth a Christian will ever have is when he starts serving. Wherever in the church, once you start serving, I can go back, and I've been walking with the Lord now about 32 years. I've served in every capacity possible. I mean, you name it, I've done it. One of the greatest starts for me in serving was I taught a 5th and 6th grade Sunday school class. When they came and asked me if I would do it, They didn't say, are you called to do this? No, you know what I saw? This was part about building the kingdom. And I had some of the greatest growth in my life. Because you know why? One, I had to start studying. I had to be prepared. Number two, it built some character within me. And the character I'm talking about is this. There were a lot of Sunday mornings that I didn't want to get up and go do it. But you know what I knew? One, I'd given my word I was going to do it. And number two, there were a bunch of fifth and sixth graders dependent on me. So I would go when I would do it, even when it wasn't convenient. And I believe this is exactly what the Lord was telling him. And a lot of times, guys, you've got to look at this. People may not notice what you're doing, but Jesus sure does. He sees when you serve. And I appreciate all of you that serve. I say thank you. And when I look at this passage, could Jesus have done those things by himself? He could have. But the more I read this, the more I see Jesus saying, I didn't want to rob Peter of a blessing. And so the first one was, will you do something? The second one, will you do what he asked? And look at this starting in in, in verse 3 once again. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And so when I look right there in verse 3, he asked him to do something. In verse 4, he just tells Peter, get out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, think about this with Peter here for just a little bit. It would have been very easy for Peter to look at Jesus and say, you've got to be kidding. Do you realize what I've done all night? I've worked hard. I've, I've been at the graveyard shift. We've caught nothing. And on top of that, I'm a fisherman. I do this for a living. 
But thank God Peter didn't stop there. Thank God Peter didn't say, do you realize how tired and inconvenient this is? Now, you want to see the correlation between serving and being blessed? Watch what happens in verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. We've caught nothing, not a thing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. The New International Version says, because you say so, I will do it. Now right there, that quote that Peter says, at your word I'll do it, that's the definition of faith right there. That no matter what's been going on in the natural, no matter how hard you've worked, no matter how inconvenient it is, no matter how tired you may be, he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And when Peter obeyed what he said, look at verse 6. And when they had done this, they'd got out into the deep and let down the net. They caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So great blessings came to Peter and his business right here. Why? How did it start, guys? He volunteered to serve. He volunteered to help Jesus build his kingdom. And two things I saw right there that Peter did. He gave his resources, his boat, and he gave his time. He rode and he put that anchor out there, guys. And because of this, Jesus blessed him. Now can I tell you something about what Peter did? In mankind's eyes... It wasn't prestigious at all. I really wonder in this passage of Scripture if anyone that was there hearing the Word of God even noticed what Peter did. And I say that in here that there's a lot of you that serve on Sunday mornings that nobody in here probably sees what you did except Jesus. And Jesus knew specifically what Peter did, and ultimately you know what he said? I want to bless you, Peter, because you were kingdom-minded. Listen, guys, don't think that you're serving in an area is little. I'm telling you, it's a big deal to Jesus. And look what happens in verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help him, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. You know what I begin to see right here? And this was the thing that rose up in me. How many blessings have I missed out on in life because I wouldn't serve? How many blessings have I missed out on life because I thought, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I'm too busy. Listen, guys, I think that's why in this passage, Peter specifically said, I've toiled all night. He wasn't denying that. But he was also in Jesus' eyes saying, go ahead and put me first. Put the kingdom of God first. Build the kingdom. And listen, Peter was action-oriented, guys. He was a doer. He just didn't talk about it. Now, the Bible's very clear that God loves a cheerful giver. I believe even though Peter was wore out physically, he was cheerful. He didn't moan and groan and complain and stomp his feet and say, I don't know why he's asking me to do this. 
I believe he was cheerful because if he wouldn't have been cheerful, if he would have had a bad attitude, Jesus wouldn't have blessed him here. But Jesus blesses him. And so you want to see a business take off? Begin to serve and watch what God will do. Here's the third point. Will you give him the glory? Now, you can't pass this test, guys, unless you do something, okay? you got to be doing something, but will you give him the glory? Now, look what happens here in verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, what Peter's saying here, it appears like it's, it's the good thing to say. But actually, when I read it, it was the stupid thing to say. How many of you have ever said something stupid and you thought, why did I say that? I believe this is what happened with Peter because you know what? When you're a sinful person, the last thing you need is Jesus to depart. That's right there when you really need him. And so when Peter says this, guys, I believe he said this because he began to realize the reality of the blessing. It stumped Peter. It dumbfounded Peter. And you may say, well, what do you mean by that, guys? I think Peter, when he saw how big the catch was, he knew this was a God thing. This was a God catch right here. Peter knew, I'm a pretty good fisherman, but this is supernatural. Stuff like this doesn't happen. And look what goes on to take place, guys. In verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. I, I believe when, when Andrew and, and uh, James and John, all of them showed up, I believe they looked at Peter and they saw all the fish that were laid out and I believe they began to question Peter how this happened. How this happened. Did you change the bait? You had a, a, a secret spot that you didn't tell us about. Or they thought, I bet Peter found something in the farmer's almanac that said, if you'll go out at three in the morning. No, look what happens back in verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. You know what this symbolizes, guys? Peter knew this was a God thing. He knew that this was such a blessing. Only God could do this. And because of what God did for Peter, it made Peter look like the fisherman of the year. And when you become the fisherman of the year, guess what? People come to you. And they say, what are you doing? What is your secret? And I don't care what your profession is. When people start seeing your life blessed, they say, what's happening to you? What's different from you? And you know what you can always say? There is no secret. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When people look at your marriage and say, how's your marriage so good? You look and say, it's Jesus. When you have so many things that start happening, you're blessed. It just leads everything that he gets all the glory, even in your business, even in your life, no matter what it is. But think again, guys, how all this started. Someone was willing to be inconvenienced to build the kingdom of God. The last one, 
Will you do the main thing? Will you do the main thing? And I want you to see something here. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now, you think about this in their business. This was a record-setting day in their business. This was a day I believe they would never forget. I believe, man, they would talk about this over and over. You remember that day that we had net-breaking boats sinking catch that was just so awesome? I believe this is what they talked about and they talked about. But look what Jesus says next. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, I believe right here that Jesus is revealing the real purpose for every one of us in here. I believe Jesus loved the fact that he could bless Peter. He could bless Peter's business. He could bless Peter's life. But he's saying right here, there's more to it than just making a living. And he's saying, I'm going to use people like you. I'm going to use fishermen like you to impact other people. And not only impact them here on earth, but to impact them for eternity. I believe this is what is important to Jesus right here. And when Jesus says this to Peter, from now on, you'll catch men. I really wonder if he didn't throw this in there and say, Peter, you know when you have that big old fish hit your hook, the adrenaline that comes on that? Just wait till you start seeing people get born again. Watch what will happen on the inside of you. Verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and they followed him. See, once again, guys, Jesus was thrilled to bless Peter and his business. But I believe right here he was ultimately telling him and telling us, the main thing is to pursue your destiny. Money's not my destiny. People are. People are. And all this comes down to, guys, to a servanthood. See, I can come in here today and I can be a believer. Am I going to enter the kingdom of God? Yeah. But Jesus is telling us there's more than to be a believer. Be a disciple of Christ and start building His kingdom. And when you look right here, still to this day, as He partnered with Peter to build the kingdom of God here on earth, He wants to do that with us. Right there where you're at, He wants to, to assist you in building His kingdom. And He's always looked for men and women to do it. And He'll continue to do it. The thing is, do I have a heart as a, of a servant? Do I have a heart to do something big for the kingdom of God? And I believe this is what's got to get in every one of us today. No matter where you're at, do I have a heart for people? And this is why I talked about earlier, guys, as far as it bothers me to look at people and think they're going to hell. And I see that. I mean, I saw that in, in my wife's family. And I said right there to her, I said, I'm going to tell you right now. Without a move of God in their life, they'll all go to hell. I don't, I don't take great pleasure in that, knowing that. And it's the same with you. And you may be here today. You may have family members that are in the same business. They're going to go to hell without someone to pray for them and to love them. 
And once again, it falls back to what I said earlier. Your greatest witness, guys, is not so much what you say, it's it's what you do. They begin to watch and they listen. And they see things within you. And that's when they begin to say, what's the difference in your life? Why do you guys not argue and fight? What happened to you? And you look and say, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. That's the only reason I am what I am is because of Him. And just how He loves me and forgives me, He'll love you and forgive you. See, some of you here today, you you work around some people that are probably not real lovable. How many of you work around people that really just drive you crazy at times? You can be honest. Probably every one of us have been there before. I've been there. Where my thought was towards some of those guys I used to go to, to work around. You can all die and go to hell for all I care. I'm sincere about saying that until Jesus began to get on the inside of me. You know what he said? I want to change the way you see people. I want you to begin to see people through my tears. I want you to begin to touch people through my hands. And you know what? It bothered me that Jesus was telling me to love people like that. But guess what? Somebody loved me that way. And somebody loved you that way. And I believe this, guys, that when we begin to get in our heart, Lord, make me a servant of yours. Where I begin to pray for those people. And you know what? That doesn't mean i got to take them out to lunch. That just means I begin to pray for them, and I don't get moved when bad things come out of their mouth or they say ugly things about me. I just continue to love them. You know, the Bible is very clear. That we should not even want one of our worst enemies to go to hell. See, Jesus paid a price for every one of us. The Muslim. The Mormon. The Hindu. But a lot of times we look at those people and think, they can die and go to hell. I don't care. I don't care. But yet Jesus is saying to us, put your heart, put my heart into your heart. Start living as a servant for mine, for me. Start thinking, I'm going to be a fisher of men. I want to see people changed. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.